You're listening to the Inside Study Abroad podcast, episode number 32. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to remind you all that the Global Pro Institute is opening for enrollment very soon. So if you want to be the first to know when we open the doors for enrollment for our next cohort, go to insidestudyabroad.com slash GPI and you can get on the wait list there. And just a little hint, if you join the early bird VIP list, you will get access to a discount for the program if you enroll in our early bird period. So go to insidecityabroad.com slash GPI. We're very excited to get the next cohort rolling. For those of you who have not been able to tune into the live sessions of this, I would really encourage you to try to join one. If you just go to insidestudyabroad.com slash chat, that should take you to our latest episode that we're getting ready to record and you can register there and tune in live, ask questions, engage in the chat, get to know other people in the field. It's really great, casual conversation, not stuffy, not a presentation, it's just people talking about you know the big issues in international ed we joke around a lot we like to laugh so it's intended to be a little bit lighthearted and fun and accessible to everyone so it's completely free we'd love for you to join us just go to insidestudyabroad.com slash chat all right for today's episode i'm really excited to share this one with you um, a few weeks ago we sat down with two gpi alumni who are amazing. Well, all the GPI alumni are amazing. But uh, we sat down with Joe Orser, who is a global learning, I'm sorry, global engagement coordinator at the University of Florida. And we sat down with Kelsey Toyota, who is an institutional relations coordinator at Spanish Studies Abroad. And both of these people went through the GPI program at different times. And they're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're going to talk about what it's really like to job search and try to do a career transition or just try to launch your career in international education. We also talk a lot, well, they talk a lot about how GPI played a role in helping them land those those amazing gigs and jobs in the field, how it helped them make decisions about grad school and networking and um, pursuing other opportunities to volunteer or intern to help them get experience in the field. So it's a really interesting conversation. They are both at very different places in life. So we really like sharing their story because it's, you know, Joe, he's had a long career. He's a PhD transitioning to international ed. And then Kelsey, much younger, kind of out of undergrad, trying to figure her way into the international education field. So there's something for a lot of people to identify with in their stories. So I really hope you enjoy this and I will see you in the next episode. Let's go to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Inside Chat, the Inside Study Road podcast live show where we like to basically just have all the technical difficulties, which is what's been going on <laughs> behind the scenes over here again. So welcome to our uh, second one of these. I got to keep I can't keep saying which number it is because we're going to do like 12 million of these and I'm going to be like, what number is this? Um, so <laughs> welcome everyone. Say hi in the chat. Let us know where you're tuning in from uh, around the the US, the world. Love to see where you guys are watching from. And also just some logistical things. 
Make sure if you have any questions, add them to the ask a question section down below the video. We also have a poll in there. Um, I just, you know, I don't do anything with this data. Maybe we should, uh, but I just like always like to see who's in the room and what's going on. Um, uh, the question was, what's your current employment status in international education? And so, so far we've, we've had a few people um, respond to the poll so far. We've got uh, 42 people. Uh, oh, yeah, they're rolling in. So I'm just going to wait to do the, uh, the breakdown. And um, we're going to say hi to Brianna from Cleveland. What's up? Brittany from Virginia. Welcome. And we have the amazing Sam Cooper from London. Hello. Yeah. Hello Stephanie, from from, <laughs> Stephanie from Virginia too. Nice. Welcome everybody. Um, and then if you guys don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Brooke Roberts. I'm the founder of Inside Study Abroad. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking about finding success in international in your international education career which is like a massive topic but i wanted to um especially talk about it in in light of what's going on right now and and just have an open conversation and dialogue about um if if anything needs to change in order to be successful um a successful careerist in international education based on now what we know this sort of new normal and what, we don't even really know what the new normal is going to be um, how do we need to change the way we think about being a professional in the space? What are the skill sets that we need? What's the knowledge base that we need? The types of experience um, moving forward. And um, so I wanted to talk all about that today. And Sam and I, yeah. we've been doing, <laughs> hi, Jordan from Kansas City. What's up? <laughs> and then we've got RJ from Indiana, um, grad student that's job searching. Welcome. Um, uh, Camden is from today. Virginia. Lots of Virginia people. Yeah. You guys should have a little, well, you shouldn't have a meetup. You should have a zoom meetup yeah. <laughs> for all the Virginia people. Um, okay. So, uh, and so just to give you guys uh, the agenda for today, we're going to, Sam and I are going to talk a little bit for about 15 ish minutes. They're going to bring on, um, a few panelists, um, who are, people who have recently gone through the job search in international mm. education. Granted, it hasn't been right now during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's very recent. And so I feel like I always like to get like the here and now perspective of what's mm. what it's really like. Cause I know what it was like for me when I first started and then a few other job searches I went through, but um, it, everything changes and it evolves. And I don't want to sound like an old lady who's like, well, back in my day, <laughs> this is how it was. Sam, how are you? What's been going on over there in London? I'm good. You know, just living the lockdown life here in London. Um, right. I mean, this topic is very um, timely for me um, as I am entering back into the job hunt for international education. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be the old lady because I think we were chatting about this, you know, my first foray into the field in the year 2000, when I think someone gave me a printed resource as part of Secusa L um, <laughs> and said, look at this. And why don't you contact some of these people? And it was printed on paper. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it is amazing. Um, but no, I'm doing good. Um, I'm feeling fairly positive um, about everything and the field. I'm excited about the opportunity we all have to make things how we want them to be. That's mm -hmm. kind of the space I'm in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think too, I, what I, I want to talk about too is how how, if anything, is changing in terms mm. of positioning as a as a professional in this space? Because I have a yeah. very specific 
idea and philosophy on like how if you yeah. want to stand out and you want to actually launch and grow a career um and you've now seen all of my gpi material so <laughs> you know like i'm like yeah. hardcore on like a very specific way of doing it um but you know i I feel like maybe some of that needs to change. I'm not sure. We'll see. I don't know. Well, as this conversation um, uh, moves forward, I just wanted yeah. to check in on the poll real quick. See what we got. Okay, we've got, we got five people are here. They're employed. Welcome. Good for you. Recently laid <laughs> off or furloughed two people. Um, we've got job searching, um, that, but they've been job searching since before the COVID-19 began. We've got about 20, but, oh my God, votes are coming in. Uh, we've got a one grad student and we've got two people that are self-employed. So a very interesting mix of people. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome to have so many people who are employed and, and feeling hopefully good about their position in the field right now. So welcome. Uh, all right. So I first want to sort of go back in time and have like story time. You kind of hinted at yours, yeah. but <laughs> what um, I've gone through one, two, three job searches in international yep. education during my career. Um, the yeah. first one I've, I talked about a lot and, um, some of you may have heard the story, but I always talk about how I went to grad school was like one track mind. I'm going to be the director of study abroad at a division one university. I like literally Absolutely. wrote that. I think <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was going to do. 100%. And yeah. went to grad school was a grad assistant in study abroad led faculty led programs. I mean, I felt like I was doing all the things right. And then at the end of grad school, like we all do, I was applying for jobs. I applied for over 70 jobs. And, um, you know, if you were to ask me at that time, I was like, yeah. I'm a shoe in, I am a freaking dream come true. Look at me. I am amazing. Yeah. And I didn't get any callbacks, not <laughs> one invite to an interview. And I don't, I, at the time I was like, I don't know what I did wrong. I thought I did what everybody told me to do. Um, and so I did what everyone does next, especially millennials who like to have a plan. I moved to China and worked at a university there for a year and um, sort of regrouped, I guess, yeah. as, is what I did. And and what in, in that time, I really tried to do a lot of analysis on what did I do wrong and right. how could I change the way I, I did it moving forward. And the next time I went through a job search, which is how I met you, actually, okay. um, I did change up a lot of what I did. And I, I kind of was a little audacious. Um, I, tr I, I did some things that I think are not, especially at that time, were not standard things to do. Um, and, and it did, it totally changed the narrative of my job search from there. What was your experience like the first time? Um, the first time I've, I'm trying to think of how many job hunts, probably three is, is I'm thinking, um, I was lucky in that the way I got in initially was as a peer advisor after studying abroad. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, I then moved to London at the time and was just job hunting. Um, and it felt that was, I would say a, a, a fluke in that I was just applying for jobs, um, and I got lucky. I, I I can say I legitimately got lucky with my first, I'd say, real job at Chelsea College of Art and Design, working in their international office. Um, and I, I at the time you were still mailing in. Gosh, I'm sounding so oh, old. I, I swear <laughs> to you, I don't feel this old. I was mailing in sort of yeah. cover letters and resumes yeah. or CVs. I remember um, going to buy the the fancy resume paper to like print yeah. off. Oh, that and was key, mail them. right? Oh, yeah. I know. I 
I had to go to the library. The thing resume paper, is that an industry that just doesn't exist anymore? I don't know. <laughs> it does exist. It does. Okay. Uh, it's called swag now. I think they do. Oh, okay. The yeah. Um, so I, I honestly was, um, I do feel like I was lucky and um, I don't remember a lot of that first job search because I was young, um, but I've had points in my job hunt that are very similar to you where it has been hard and emotionally hard and um, I really struggled. And for me, I think what I've learned over time, and of course I'm coming also from the internship space of international ed. So what I live and breathe and get really excited about is this career development side of, of, of what we do. And um, I, it's not sexy, but I do think that some of the, the solid things when you're job hunting helped me that help everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was having a networking, like networking and having a mentor. Mm -hmm. um, I will never forget sitting in um, a parking lot in Santa Barbara, California with Ann Haberkern as she was talking to me about the field and people I should talk to and different field careers. And so that for me was the turning point when I realized that, and, and, and have since I've wanted to give back in the same way that mentorship and connecting with people that are in the field and learning from them and in informational interviews, that was my turning point for me. That was, that was some of the stuff that I did that was different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. always mean success because I think we do have an, an issue in our field where it is still hard to break in. Yeah. Um, and and I feel a great responsibility myself now that I'm hiring as part of that to help um, look beyond um, maybe some of the things that other people don't. Yeah. Does that make no, sense? I. Yeah. 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 And then we got some Anne Haberkern shout out from Liz Sinclair. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um, RJ says she worked abroad too, but not for the same reason. Brianna says um, she got lucky with her first job, um, also in London, and it was a long eight-month yeah. search. And yeah. yeah, wow. Oh, and then Stephanie said she went to China for the same reasons. You know, China is a welcoming place if you are Absolutely. lost and feel downtrodden from your job search. It can be a lovely place to go spend some time. Uh, but I want to talk next about um, some things that, we think maybe held us back or mistakes. Maybe, I mean, you said you got lucky that first time, but yeah. I know you went through job searches even later on where you already had experience had and experience. kind of did switches. Yeah. Right. So, and yeah. I know for me, um, you know, after I did that very failed demoralizing job search <laughs> right after grad school and yeah. then went to China, um, my, my whole career trajectory flipped. And, mm. um, I remember when I came back, I got several job offers from you is one of them, uh, working at USA in and Boston and <laughs> I did accept it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, and people always ask like, what changed, you know, cause technically I didn't, I didn't get more experience. I didn't all of a sudden like have more study abroad stuff on my resume. I spent, yeah. I was teaching the uh, students how to pass the IELTS exam, which is a, 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 a an English yeah. placement test to get into higher education in English speaking countries. And um, I was teaching that and working at a university in China, but I mean, I wasn't in study abroad. I wasn't in our traditional uh, functional areas, if you will. And and what really changes? So I feel like for me, and, and this is what I talk about a lot um, through Inside Study Abroad and Inside GPI, um, and it, I feel like 
what I did is that I made sure that I was memorable. One of the things I feel like I, I, I understood after the fact is that even though I had this stacked resume, it looked like everybody else's resume. Yeah. And so there's nothing like truly that it felt like, oh, everybody like studied abroad and everybody might yeah. have a master's degree or whatever the, you know, tick the boxes were. But like, I had no real personality in my applications. Um, and then another technical thing, it's like, I didn't tailor my applications to every job. I mean, there is yeah. definitely an instance and I probably have the email <laughs> to show it, but I definitely submitted We've an application where I didn't change the institution yeah. name. And I've I was like, it. you know, oh God, yeah. yeah, Acme University. And I was really applying to like XYZ yeah. University and then responded being like, yeah, um, maybe apply to the right university. <laughs> so oh. embarrassing. And so happens, what I, though, oh, I know, I know. And so what I did after that is one, I got much more specific about the jobs I was applying for before, obviously 75 job applications, stupid, too many. Yeah. I tailored many, my actually. application. Yeah. I tailored my application to the role. And also I went on a limb and at the time, again, you guys now this, I feel like is more normal, but it was 2006. I think when I started applying late 2006 and, um, I had started or sort of restarted my travel blog while I was in China yes. and it was the new Dorothy.com. And so I started, I put it on there and, yeah, um, right. I remember that in every single phone interview I did, every single campus interview I did, then they like, I remember being at Boston College and they were like walking me around and they were like, this is Brooke. And they they said to me, oh, you're the new Dorothy. And I was like, oh crap. They like forwarded it to the, forwarded it to people. And my point is, is like, I did something to be memorable, did something that was a little more outside the box than this, the typical. And I'm not saying that the solution is start a travel blog, but it's just do something that makes Find you stand out. That's doing yeah. something different. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing that I did in that time I was in China, because I knew I wasn't doing something that was specifically related to international ed. If I was going to make this experience valuable to me, I was going to have to figure out a way to tie it back into the career I knew I wanted. And mm -hmm. so to reverse engineer that, I'm like, okay, I work, I I'm teaching 300 university students in China. They're all going to study abroad. And so, I mean, and by the way, this was pretty controversial when I did this at the university, you should probably get permission when you're working in China, just FYI, but I didn't, I didn't ask for permission. I just held some free workshops in the evenings for my students. And I did basically like pre-departure cultural norms, yeah. prep systems, preps for, you know, higher education in the UK, what, what it's like the, in Australia, I don't know, and the US obviously, mm -hmm. and trying to prepare them because they're all deciding, do I want to apply to the US and I'll just study abroad, normal stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I put that on my resume as a real experience, even though it was self-directed by myself. Um, it was all me putting it out there, but I talked about it because I was advising. I was becoming a study abroad advisor, even if nobody ordained me with that title. Yeah. yeah. So you, it's your turn. What did you do to help set yourself apart? I mean, I think one, I just want to say, I do love when you talk about, um, don't ask for, um, your job title isn't 
all that you can do, right? You don't always have right. to ask permission for the, the extra things you do. And I actually love that about our field. I feel like people do step up in different ways to volunteer, to help mm -hmm. the rest of the community. So that I think is a, a good piece of advice. I think for me to stand out is, I think we all have different skills that we lean into. And I like people. I like relationships. You know this, I like chatting with people. Um, I like talking about study abroad. And so for me, the turning point was in a blog, right? Although I did do that later for a yeah, yeah. second. Um, <laughs> um, but for me, it was, I, I was those connections. And so, um, and just talking with people and trying to understand them and what their needs were, and then figuring out if I could help. That's always been sort of my approach. And I, I'd be really curious to, to, to know what other people in the field sort of consider their own kind of what's in their toolbox that helps them mm -hmm. kind of stand out. Because we all do stand out in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so that one was for me. And so when I had had a director position, so I, I had started, you know, at USA, the university relations department, and then I'd left to go traveling um, because why not? Um, and I was yeah. uh, traveled for 15 months by myself and I came back and I thought, this is great. I've, I've, I've been in the field. Now I've really traveled. And, um, I joked at the time I have my master's in travel. Um, and it was practically impossible to get a job. Um, and it took me, um, so Brianna, I feel you. It took me over eight months to get a job back in the field. And what I, and the way I got that job was through somebody I knew that I had talked to for several months and eventually a job came up and it was absolutely um, a lower level than I'd been at before. And it was my way in and I took it and it was great. It was fantastic. And it, it got me back into, into that field in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, for me that there were lessons in that, that sometimes you have to explore other areas or mm -hmm. step down or lateral. Um, but for me, it's always through the people I know and mainly because mm -hmm. I'm just curious about different parts of the field. So maybe my curiosity is my is 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 my counterpart to your blogging to your writing. Yeah, yeah. no, and I, I, I but I think that 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 makes a lot of sense, you know. And I think you know one of the my mantras in in GPI is always talking about how you know employer and then this is going to sound harsh, but just hear me out before you click away. Yeah. Is that employers and potential supervisors as much as we this industry is like full of very friendly lovely people who you know want to make the world a better place at the end of the day when we're they're filling a position or, or mm -hmm. finding you know a team to work with they don't care about you they care about themselves they care about their problems their pain points what they're trying to achieve in their organization and they're just trying to find people who can further that that mission forward or yeah. the, you know move them towards their goals. And so like you being like, oh, you know, and that was one of my big mistakes early on. It was like, I was like, it was me, me, me. Instead of saying, okay, 100%. I've done these things. How could I be valuable to them and what they yeah. want How to do? How can I help you? But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, and even though your application is about you, you have like you personally in your experience, it's all about like, how can I help you? How am I going to make your life easier, your organization better help you? You know, it depends obviously on the role. It's like, I'm going to get you more students. If it's a recruitment role, I'm going to help you get more um, academic partnerships because you have more of that academic understanding. You know, what is the value you bring that, that self-assessment and then how are you yeah. going to actually help them achieve their, their end game? Because, you know, I think a lot of times people just 
rest on like it's international ed and I'm passionate, which is yeah. always the number one mistake. I always tell the story about um, a few years ago when I was recruiting, I, I posted, you know, that I was hiring um, a part-time kind of marketing assistant for Inside Study Abroad. And the job rec, I was very specific, like is a very marketing heavy role. I talked about the you know types of experience you would really need and understanding you need um, is very clear. And I got lots of applications and most of the applications were people with, you know, it was a lot of people, they had master's degree, you know, they had all these credentials and they rested on, I presented at NAFSA on, you know, all these things, or I, you know, I had my, did my thesis on this. And, and I was like, that, that's all lovely. But what I needed was someone who was some marketing savvy and, yeah. and, and obviously knowledge of international ed, but sometimes those don't marry the, don't translate into those skills. So I feel yeah. like, um, you know, have to be really cognizant of what they are needing and what they're asking for and apply for the job that they listed, not the job you want it to you become. Yeah. 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 Um, so we, uh, are going to bring on a couple panelists now. Um, and if you guys have questions, I'm going to let Sam field, Ooh, yes, um, this is fun. some of these are easy. Uh, so will Inside City Abroad air every Thursday at this time? That's a question from Stephanie Jones. Sam, I'll let you take that one while I get the other people on the call. Stephanie, that is the goal. Uh, we will, it might run on a different day of the week, um, if we have things going on, but that is the, uh, the aggressive, <laughs> ambitious goal that we're setting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that we're trying, trying this new model, trying to see if we can work it out, uh, in, in past iterations of this little inside, inside, inside study abroad, little gosh. Okay. Uh, but, um, in the past, you know, I would do all these recordings of the podcast and I'd end up with this like backlog and then I became the bottleneck and doing it live like this, we kind of like flip that process where it's like, just do it live. It's People happening. can listen live. It's, it's fun, happening. And then we'd also worry about me being like, ah, oh, it's too much going on. So, um, and hello, Andrea from New Jersey, NYC area. Welcome. Uh, all right. Well, I want to introduce our panelists today. We have Kelsey Toyota, who is um, the institutional relations um, coordinator. And I'm sorry, I'm, I don't have your bio up right in front of my face. So okay. of course now I don't know, but you're, I'm gonna let you guys introduce <laughs> yourselves anyway, but I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so we have Kelsey here and then we have Joe Orser from the University of Florida um, and they're both working in the field and they're both GPI Global Pro Institute alumni as well. Um, so welcome both of you to, the, welcome to the show. I feel like you guys need like walk on music or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelsey, uh, we're going to start with you um, and just introduce yourself, um, who you are, what you're, what you've been doing. Just like give us your, your brief bio here. Definitely. So I'm Kelsey Toyota. I'm the institutional relations coordinator for Spanish studies abroad, a study abroad provider uh, based out of Amherst, Massachusetts. And I did GPI in 2016. And since then I've, had a lot of experiences, which I'll talk about later, but uh, also went to grad school at SIT Graduate Institute. Great, awesome, welcome. Uh, and Joe, tell us tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, sure, uh, my name's Joe Orser. I'm Global Engagement Coordinator 
um, for a professional development and experiential learning program in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at, at the University of Florida. It's extraordinary. Yeah, that's my first time. Did your, does that fit on a business card? Like, no, it have doesn't, to, like... But <laughs> we, have, we have a really catchy title for this program, which we have to explain to everyone anyway, so, so we might as well write it out. But um, <laughs> Uh, and I, I did the Global Pro Institute in 2018, I believe. Um, and I was coming from, uh, I was a lecturer in history uh, at a university. And so I was looking to kind of transition from one field teaching to another international education. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, something I find fascinating about GPI, because I know like when I started it, the premise was I just assumed it was going to be a bunch of like fresh out of undergrad like I've just studied abroad, I'm high on life. Everyone told me, uh, you know, I need to get a master's degree, but this is like sort of my like bridge experience. And I've always been surprised at how many people with, you know, advanced education and lots of experience, but they come to GPI because I think, you know, if I do say so myself, it's helping, it provides that roadmap and navigation of the field because that's like the first module. Um, and then figuring out, oh, then how do we take your special sauce Joe, and then your special special sauce, Kelsey, and figure out how do you fit into to this world. So uh, welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for being here. Sabrina might be able to join us later. I know she was having some technical difficulties. Um, uh, but yeah, so Joe, I'm going to start with you. Um, and you know, you you were transitioning, you have you have a PhD, um, lots of experience in higher education. Um, what was one of the more frustrating things about your job search when you were, you know, trying to get into study abroad proper? Um, you know, for me, there was, I, the, the, the job search kind of progressed in, in two waves. The first one was without any really thought. I thought, you know, I'm doing some of these, I, I was doing faculty led programs um, to Thailand and to China. And um, I was looking for you know, a, a new challenge. And so I thought, well, I'll apply to study abroad programs and that sort of thing. And I can't tell you how many, it wasn't a whole lot, but I basically just put out some letters and, and resumes and didn't hear back at all. Um, and I thought, well, okay, that's fine. And, and I was just um, kind of just going along in my everyday world. And then I, I saw an ad for, for, for GPI um, and I thought, well, you know, I, I was interested in that. Let me, let me, let me enroll in this and see what, what, what I can learn. And, um, and, uh, really, I mean, it, 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 it changed, it, 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 it showed me what international education looks like. It taught me all about the field. Um, and then it gave me the tools to really kind of, I should say, I wouldn't have phrased it this way, but identify my special sauce. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I have to bring and and really play that up, but also gave me tools to talk about the ways I could um, help other areas of, of an international education mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. endeavor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Were you mostly applying to university positions uh, when sure. you were? Yeah. 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 So the, for me, the university has been um, universities for, for the last 15 plus years have been my world. And so I didn't even know about providers until I took GPI. And boy, I wish I had known that because that would have, mm -hmm. that would have been something else entirely if I had kind of engaged in that type of um, search. Yeah. But I had no idea about, I, I didn't know anything about international edu education except for that there were things, there was a thing called study abroad, um, which, I, which I had done. You know, I studied right, yeah. college and um, 
And I've worked internationally a lot, but I wasn't aware of the field of, of global education really until mm -hmm. GPI. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that knowledge was what allowed me to really, I, and so when it came to this job search, this was the only job I applied for. I, I um, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I, well, because I, I had this is an amazing testimonial. Who's recording this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're recording it. Yeah. So, so uh, I was able through through this program to really begin to articulate what I could bring, what I did well, it, and as I said, it gave me the knowledge of other areas. And um, you have as part of your program. I don't know if your viewers are no. I don't know how many of them are you know in this, but you have these interviews with specialists around the the, the industry. And I, I studied those, um, including, and this is, I'm, I'm, I, I'm one of those people who does not like to think in business terms, but I really did study the, the ones you had done with people who are in the business of study abroad, the providers. Yeah. And there was one on in, uh, entrepreneurship. And um, in, the, in, the, in the talk, you brought up the phrase intrapreneurship as opposed to entrepreneurship. And, yeah. and it's working within your organization to try to be entrepreneurial within the organization you're already in and i thought oh that sounds good and 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 maybe i'll try to do that at the at the university i was at and so i had started to do that um and, and had begun to begin to kind of feel okay i can continue to be a lecturer and still be able to kind of do the stuff that i want to do in international education when i saw this job announcement um which i said that's the job that i want and so i was able really to just pull it all together and apply for this particular position. Um, and and it, everything was tailored for this position, mm -hmm. um, including I see in the comments, someone said, you know, be sure to read the job posting and, and yeah. reinforce that language in your application. And I did that very closely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and so I was, you know, the, the application only gets you the interview and I got the interview. Um, and so then I was fortunate enough to, to get the position, but, um, but yeah, it was, it, I think, you know, if if you have if you if you if you can articulate what you bring to the table and make it clear to that organization that you've studied them and you know what they're about and um, and 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 you can articulate specifically what you can provide, um, you're giving them every reason at least to interview you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I have that. more questions for you, but I'm gonna we're gonna toss it over to to Kelsey here. So. FYI, Joe, like model student, Kelsey, hopefully you can bring it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, no, Kelsey, Kelsey and I go way back. She and I have presented at a regional NAFSA together out in California. Um, and she's been a really active member of GPI and sort of the whole Inside Study Abroad community for a long time. So Kelsey, tell, talk a little bit about how you found yourself coming into international education and what was your original sort of endeavor trying to get a job what was that like for you <laughs> so how i how i decided to go into international education i was kind of having a little bit of uh i guess quarter life crisis i graduated from college i went to go teach abroad in spain and during that time i kind of had the realization that i had no idea what i wanted to do but i was kind of thinking that what my study abroad advisor back in college did was interesting. Mm. So started looking up study abroad jobs and I had zero for me in the field, kind of had no idea where to start. Um, and I found Brooke's website 
which was pretty much the only information out there. I didn't find a lot of information on what the field was or kind of what it entailed or what the scope of it was. So that was kind of the first glimpse of what the field was. And then I decided to enroll in GPI when I came back. And that gave me a lot of insight into what the field was and, and gave me a lot more background information and educated me a lot. But I think the most frustrating part about the beginning of my job search was I didn't have any experience other than the experience mm -hmm. that everyone else that was trying to enter the field had, which was studying abroad and teaching abroad and how to differentiate myself in that. And I was having a really hard time getting experience at first, even free experience. I reached out to people and was and told them that I was willing to do things for free and things like that. And even then people weren't looking for volunteers even. Um, so I tried to really just get experience where I could. Um, ended up doing an internship with Pune uh, through GPI. GPI opened up a lot of doors to opportunities for volunteering. Um, I volunteered to do the, the presentation with Brooke and just tried to do get my hands on as many experiences and that I could and just do everything that I could. And even then it was just very hard to break into the field. I ended up working outside the field and um, doing kind of a temp to full-time office job, which gave me a lot of experience. So just GPI really helped me keep everything in perspective that any experience that you do is useful. And every experience that I did, um, whether it's volu volunteering for lessons from abroad, I tried to volunteer just for absolutely everything that I could, do as many informational in interviews as I could. And each time I went through the job search, it was probably equally as frustrating. And I definitely had a lot of self-doubt and am I in the right yeah. field? Um, kind of almost felt like trying to break in, like how people talk about trying to break in into, I don't know, being an actor <laughs> to the yeah. enter entertainment industry where I'm working another job mm -hmm. to try to get into this field. Mm -hmm. um, it's like international educator slash waiter, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was doing all these other jobs and trying to do these part-time experiences or internships um, and then ended up doing a master's, but um, each time it got less frustrating and each time the job search got shorter um, when I was finding my work study position, I used some of the techniques that I learned in GPI and yeah. also reached out to network and kind of find more out more about the position and end up getting the position before anyone else even really applied. Yeah. Um, and then my practicum search ended up not, I only applied for two places for my grad school practicum. And then when I, when I was job searching after grad school, I think I still felt that frustration because of the the accumulation of all the years of trying to break into the field into a full-time position um, but it ended up only taking three months so it wasn't as bad as it was before where I was spending a really long time trying to break into any kind of part-time full-time position right. in the field so there was definitely a lot of frustration but um, over the years it all the experiences kind of just kept adding up and getting getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that you mentioned once before that, you know, because uh, sometimes I, I get the question all the time is like GPI meant to 
replace a grad program. And I'm like, no, <laughs> well, I'm not an accredited <laughs> higher education institution. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, there's a lot of value in grad school. I have a graduate degree. Mm. I loved grad school. I learned so much from it. Um, and GPI is not intent. It's not supposed to replace it. It's a, in my mind, it's supposed to be that bridge experience where, mm. especially for someone who's like, I really want to be in this field. Everyone says I need to get a master's degree, but they're not really sure what the, like you mentioned, Kelsey, like, you know, if you go to NASA or the forum website, there's a lots of information there, but it's so it's like entering a whole new culture. And you're like, what yeah. do these words mean? Like, what are we talking about? I don't understand these things. And what I try to do in GPI is break that down into quote unquote layman's terms. Um, so you can sort of say, well, when we say this, we mean this um, and things like that. And, um, and so, so people can walk into it with an, you know, an understanding of the field, understanding of the grad school option, the track, right. And then making a decision about grad school with a lot of information. Cause I, I you know, I think a lot of people are just like, Oh, get any old master's degree. And I'm like, if you're going to drop that much money, you better like really love that subject matter. You better, you know, really want that experience. Cause it's, it's a big investment of your time, your energy, and obviously your money. And I, I don't want anybody just being like, well, I'm just going here because I said, Oh, oh my gosh. Siri. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So I, I know that Kelsey, you had mentioned that, um, it helped GPI was like helpful. And like the, the feedback you got about grad school was really helpful unless sort of deciding, okay, which, you know, which program might be the right fit for me and things like that. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm like, exactly. yeah, it's never going to replace your master's degree <laughs> by any means. Um, help me be more intentional about it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Sam, did you have anything you want to add there? No, I mean, I, I, what I'd reflect on is hearing both your experiences sort of in the field. It sounds like many, many, it, it's so familiar. I think even those of us that have worked in the field for a long time can relate to every single thing that you said. So it's, it's obviously, I think it's one of the issues, challenges, funny fabrics of international ed that we have this strange, um, way of of hiring finding jobs promoting people um even talking to one another about about opportunities mm -hmm. yeah don't you think i don't know i just feel like every person i talk to i don't know if you guys agree with that but if this is a similar if this sounds similar to everyone think, that you speak uh, with yeah i'll let you guys answer go ahead What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious because I, I was not surprised at all by both of your stories, right. and I'm mm -hmm. and it to me it's more familiar that it is hard to get in, and I, I I don't know anyone. I think I was lucky the first time, but since then I've had struggles. And I, I'm my question is do you is that familiar? Is that something you've heard from other people, or is it yeah. just this panel? <laughs> so I've, you know, in, in the time that I've uh, been in the field and, and been able to talk with a lot of people about, and, and I've, it's a great community. I mean, and, and people yeah. are just so willing to share their experiences and that sort of thing. Uh, and I've, I've honestly heard a, a large variety of experiences. So um, mm. there's one who, who did, um, she had, I guess she did her master's degree overseas or something like that, um, came back and did a second master's in international education and was still having difficulty finding a job, ended up having to volunteer um, at, a, at, a, at a university for about a year before she was able even to get an interview. Uh, but then once she got that interview, she was, you know, and then 
once she, because of all that experience, once she entered the field, she was able to move up pretty rapidly in her office. The, a secret to all the, I, I don't know if this is a secret or not, but one of the things I've discovered is the turnover is quite high uh, in, in a lot of these fields. People, people for one reason or another are always on the move, uh, looking for new opportunities and that sort of thing. Um, and I've I've met people who you know don't even have a master's degree. For and usually they're at their their undergraduate institution, but they were able maybe as an intern um, through in their doing their bachelor's degree, they were an intern in the office for study abroad, yeah. and they were able to land a position right coming out of uh, with their BA. And so I feel like um, there are all sorts of uh, stories to be told. Um, and, and in my particular, you know, circumstance, you know, looking back, knowing what I know now, you know, I I feel like with my experience when I was before I took GPI, when I was applying for those study abroad office positions, I feel like you know I I, I had the experience that that uh, yeah. would have made me successful, um, but I didn't know the language, as you said, Brooke. I didn't know the language. I didn't know how to uh, you know talk about what I could bring in terms that were readily uh, understandable. Um, and uh, and so for you know for one reason or another I didn't hear anything you know in that in that earlier job search and um, and once I was able to figure out what what I can contribute and really build off my strengths um, uh, so once I knew more about the field uh, I was you know, I experienced more success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me too, I've, I've heard this story so many times from almost everyone, except for maybe people have been in the field for a very long time and they said they yeah. kind of just fell into study abroad mm. or international education. But for a lot of people in coming into the field, I think, and this is something that I think about a lot, how accessible the field is. I mean, we talk about trying to bring in diversity into education abroad, um, but as a field for, as a field, it's, I mean, a lot of positions, yeah. masters, yeah. masters, um, not required, but um, recommended. And yeah. and that's Preferred. not feasible for a lot of people. And just thinking, I, yeah. I've been really lucky that my parents have been very supportive of me wanting to be in this field and I've been able to find jobs to supplement it, but that's not realistic for a lot of people. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, I've, I've seen this story so many times with a lot of people. It's a tough, tough field to break into. It's not just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm me or my immediate friends, but I've heard of this story from a lot of people. It's a tough mm -hmm. field. <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting too, is because that one of the things that we kind of just don't have as much of as other industries do is just true entry level roles, true entry level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Sam, I know exactly. you, you're, she's been working in internships for, you know, five plus years in London, obviously for undergrads getting internship placements in a variety of fields. But, you know, we, we call jobs entry level, but you're right. It's not entry level if there's further education required or almost always preferred. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and that to me seems like, I know that like people often use it as a way to weed out because they know they're going to get, you know, a hundred plus sure. applications for one role. Um, but it also you're right. It, like the the accessibility and and even diversity of of our profession um, is it takes a hit because of that. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I agree with that. And there's a comment someone just said about um, it's also difficult. So Jason's saying um, it's also difficult to move mm. around once you get into the field. And I agree with that too. I think it's 
Um, and I think there are a lot of people that don't move around as well as the turnover. I know that's paradoxical, but I do think both of those things um, mm -hmm. are there for sure. Yeah. It's tough yeah. too, because it's such a specific field. It's not like there's, I mean, if you look at accounting or IT, there's a ton of entry level jobs, a ton of different jobs, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard because you can't, I mean, offer more jobs than there are, but it is mm -hmm. tough. <laughs> Right. Well, and also like, if you think about it, a lot of, a lot of traditional job titles, you know, you can major in accounting and then become an accountant. You can't go to college and major in study abroad and then become a study no. abroad advisor. Like it just, it doesn't exist. And so we're kind of making it up as we go really of like, what is it, what are the truly the, uh, the knowledge base you need to be successful? Cause there's obviously skills and we've, we've, and you know, different professional organizations have talked a lot and done lots of surveys and about, uh, charting out what are the skill sets that are are necessary yeah. but the knowledge based um stuff i feel like we haven't really you know because a degree in international education isn't what most people think mm -hmm. uh, or it's like the the what right. that becomes is so different uh, x institution international education is all about their um, theory and pedagogy comparisons around the world, right? It's more like comparative education, whereas yeah. another institution might be all about administration of international education programs, which is more of what people I think think of. Um, so it can vary broadly. Um, yeah. I wanted to um, talk a little bit and like give some people some hope and we've, we sprinkled in some good advice, I think throughout this, you guys give great, great examples. But if you were to name like, one or two things that you did specifically for that helped you land your current role that you feel like that changed the game for me that's the thing that that really switched the the uh, flip the switch for me uh, joe i'll uh, go with you okay so <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple, I, on the one hand, it's becoming more in tune with who I am, what skills I have, the experience that I have, uh, and being aware of what that means for, for the potential employers and that sort of thing in terms of what are they looking for and how can I you know, fit that. Um, so on the one hand, it's knowing more about myself. On the other hand, um, I, and we, at some point we were talking about getting through the pa your passion for this, this opportunity in your application, that sort of stuff. Um, that's not me. I'm, 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 I'm in a lot of ways, I'm very academic. And so, um, I, my traditional cover letter had been very, I'm writing to apply for the position of, and that sort of thing. Um, and I really worked on getting a cover letter that, uh, addressed the job, uh, job posting, but also, and I don't know that I use the word passionate. Someone has said, I heard you're not supposed to use the word passion. I don't know that I did, but I, I exuded passion in my letter. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily who I am. Um, so mm. I also had to fake it a little bit or, or <laughs> channel well, it. You, I must, you, it must be somewhere in me. I channeled it. <laughs> right. Well, you, you knew your audience, right? You were like, right. okay, what right. do they need to hear from me? Mm -hmm. to be convinced that I could be a good fit for this role. Because, um, yeah. you know, for me, if I'm going to apply for, you know, some kind of very academically oriented role in international ed, yeah, it's going to be a very different story I present. You know, it's all facts, but it's just the way I position it would be and the describe it would be very different than if I was like, hey, Sam, want to 
want to hire me, you know, or like, it's because yeah. I, you know, it'd be a very different experience. So yeah, I think you, that you hit it perfectly. You explained it perfectly. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, any, any tips? What are the, the one thing you think really helped you in your job search? I think for or me, land your current role? there wasn't one magic thing that helped me land the position. Oh I'm man. But everybody wants a silver bullet. No. I know everyone wants a silver bullet, but I think the big thing is having perspective and that everything you do is yeah, building towards totally. the bigger picture. And yes. Brooke mm -hmm. talked a lot about boomerangs in GPI and everything that I tried to do before grad school, all the experience that I tried to get um, volunteering and doing internships or even just um, in networking. And I remember in GPI, we talked a lot about networking and um, doing informational interviews and all of those things, going to NAFTA conferences when I could, um, everything that I've done so far has kind of built on each other. Mm -hmm. And um, at each phase, I've been able to pull in different things that I've been working on, or uh, maybe I heard something from a NAFTA conference and was able to use it in an interview or uh, uh Oh, is she stuck okay. for you too, or is that me? It's her, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Kelsey, um, you're frozen, but hi. <laughs> well, thank you, Kelsey. I, I think those are great. Yeah, great points. Um, what about you, Sam? What is like, you know, one of your best pieces of advice for people um, in their job search? I mean, my my biggest piece. We've kind of said all of these things, um, but a focus on skills, I, I think is what people appreciate and understanding what you like and are good at and what you don't like and what you are not good at. That for me is that was always the game changer for me. And so that that's my biggest piece of advice. And I know we have um, a question um, sort of in oh. the in the question area about yeah. sort of what are some pivot careers you can think of related to international ed at this time. Um, and I'm sure uh, some of you will have good advice there too, but, but for my thing, it's all about skills, right? So um, we've said it, there is no magic bullet, but I think the focus on skills and, and what, again, what you can bring, what you're good at, what you like, um, that's the, that, that was sort of the game changing thing for me. And we haven't said this, but I do think it, it happens and it's natural in any job hunt. There is, you can be desperate. I have definitely been a desperate job hunter and it does mm -hmm. come across. Right. And so sometimes you just have to, I don't, I don't know if you guys have had that experience, but oh, yeah. you have to not, you have to kind of have that for yourself, but then in the job hunt, take a deep breath and, and not have that sort of ode to desperation that can come across. Um, cause it does cloud, it clouds you, it clouds how, um, how people see you, but it also clouds your view of what you can bring. Right. That, mm -hmm. those are my kind of piece, little nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. I love the skills that, you know, I'm all about valuable skill sets, uh, yeah. uh, and getting actual skills, um, that people need to, to deliver on their product that they're trying to push. Right. Um, I wanted to address these questions like head on so mm. that people watching the recording yes. can zoom to them. So Lisa asked, what are some pivot careers you think um, of, oh, I'm sorry, uh, what are some pivot careers you can think of related to IE at this time? Um, Marty added a few ideas here as well. We'll, we'll chime in. Um, I think, you know, um, 
you need to go back to like the core of what we do in international education. And um, obviously travel is a piece of that, but it's, it's all about, you know, crossing, crossing figurative and literal borders, right? So right. how do you think about things like intercultural communication facilitation? Um, all sorts of organizations need that. And it's not always, you know, uh, based on, uh, sorry, like nationality and those types of crossing cultures or even right. language differences even sometimes. Like think about the concept of code switching and how do, you know, um, you I don't know. There's lots of different things. I always think of like the ur urban to rural divide. Like how do you get those two communities um, speaking the same language and communicating in ways that understand? Like, so think about intercultural communication and how all sorts of organizations need that in, in some capacity. And, and frankly, I think in this environment, um, the people who are going to find the most success, whether in international education or they pivot to another industry are the people who have the most creative um, innovation mindsets about the type of work that they can do. You can't, mm. if you're thinking like, okay, it has to be like going to an office, you know, and processing applications and teaching pre-departures, like it has to have those things. And that's what I know how to do. Then you're, you're probably going to be frustrated because not all industries and organizations have that same kind of flow. So you need to start thinking of what is the parallel to those things? What other ways could you apply those types of skills that you've 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 amassed in your career in international ed. Um, I think uh, uh, Sam and I were talking about this. I was also talking about just general, you know, right now we're in, I don't have to tell you guys all, but you know, a global pandemic, there's a lot of humanitarian needs and they may not be technically international in nature, although there are a lot of them, but think about in your own local communities about um, any kind of skill you've, you've, um, you've gained from bringing together different, um, constituencies to, on a common topic. So if you've been, yep. you know, spearheading, getting all the, the department heads at your university talking and facilitating something around international ed, that is a great skill set. that now it's like, okay, could you, is there something that uh, an organization that needs help, like figuring out all of the food drive things happening in your city or your your town or whatever. Um, those are all sorts of great skills that you can apply to a lot of different settings. You just, I think you just have to be really creative um, about what you're doing. Um, uh, any other ideas for you guys about in terms of pivots? I have a few others, but I don't want to. Go ahead, Joe. Well, um, you know, right now, uh, one of the things that's, and you know, we'll see what happens of it, but there's a, a whole lot of virtual or remote opportunities um, Kind of popping up and so if you have any of those types of skills of facilitating as brooke is doing these these communications across oceans and that sort of thing uh but but um facilitating um you know educational opportunities or informational or whatever you know facilitating work that involves people from disparate places kind of coming together mm -hmm. i think that's a skill that is going to be increasingly uh, in demand because of you know lingering effects of this pandemic, because of environmental concerns, uh, the you know the world of international education is was changing already, and I think that this is really kind of you know accelerating that change and, and, and maybe in some ways drastically yeah. altering the course of those changes. But um, but and that that in, in and of itself kind of reiterates uh, what Brooke is saying about the need to think creatively 
think entrepreneurially, uh, think about ways that you can kind of read the landscape and um, hop onto the train at a, at a, at a place at a, that's a lot of mixed metaphors there, but, but, but kind of <laughs> wave as at just the right moment by, um, by kind of studying the field. I think, um, you know, one of the things that I did as a result of this course was I really started to study international education and I've had to do so since. And I think now, you know, if, if, if people aren't already, they need to subscribe to Secusal because there are all sorts of interesting conversations, but also all sorts of interesting yeah. webinars and, and opportunities to learn about these new opportunities and what study abroad going to look like and that sort of thing mm -hmm. that will help you position yourself for for you know, down the road, however long that mm -hmm. might be. Yeah. yeah, I always tell people uh, my best advice. Um, you know what I'd say: the first mistake is talking about your pa like your passion for study abroad, and like mm -hmm. that's all you got. You know, in terms of trying to get a job in the field, because I'm passionate about right. study abroad too. But I got to bring some oomph behind that right. passion. The way you do that is, I always say, you got to geek out. You got to geek out on international Absolutely. ed. If you don't yeah. know, if you're like, I studied abroad and I'm like, well, what company, you know, uh, was the facilitator? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like London. I don't know. Something like, okay, we better start like there just figuring out how does a program actually happen? What are all the pieces? So, um, Sam, any thoughts, ideas, pivot ideas? Yeah. I have lots of ideas uh, in this area, mainly because um, I, I just think, again, if you go back to skills, then the, then really there's so much transferable skills that that transcend industry. I've seen people sort of inexperienced and then ideas I have. Um, I've seen people go into HR, um, learning and development, right? So um, we do in general as a field have excellent communication skills and those can go into lots of different areas. Um, I've seen people um, that get really excited about tech in our field. And so they might think about something like, well, how does tech improve what we do? So maybe um, Salesforce or the CRM management systems that we all use or the course management systems that we use and how, you know, the people that run those companies, they want to know how universities work. Um, there are jobs that are going for university reps. Speaking of that, if you have an interest or you're working in university relations and partnerships, um, I'm going to say it, it's a dirty word, but what you're doing is business development and kind of sales. And that is super transferable um, to other organizations. And it doesn't mean that these organizations, you can't believe in their purpose. I, I think that's really important to say. I think um, I wouldn't get so, uh, I think there's a lot of positive ways that we can pivot. And that would then also, I would hope, welcome you back in if that's something that you want to do again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think really creating for other people think. Yeah, meaningful learning experiences in any kind of existing community. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, whether you know, a, a company now is like a mostly remote company now and they they need to figure out ways like how do you bring pizza get people together how do you create a mm -hmm. culture within the organization um you know common language and and designing program and you know it, i call them interventions but like any kind of intervention to like build out that community um and and create those common uh experiences for people in in an organization mm -hmm. i think are really valuable we've also talked about um uh nonprofit organizations, especially the ones who really rely on in-person fundraising events and yeah, um, yeah. those types of things. If you have skills to how to, you know, crowd, crowdfund basically um, in a digital space and really have the communication skills, have the persuasion skills, have the storytelling skills to help um, 
motivate people to want to support a cause they believe in. That is really powerful. And if you're passionate about international mm -hmm. ed, I'm sure you're passionate about a lot of other issues that could be really valuable to humanity. So if you can bring those types of skill sets to any other kind of field uh, where they need support with fundraising and just and 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 funding opportunities. Also, just think about, you know, um, grant writing. I did a lot of grant writing when I was yeah. at the University of South Dakota. Um, all sorts of organizations do that and they can be done remote. Um, so if you have those skills, I mean, I would also say don't wait for the job, the perfect job and the, to be dropped on Indeed or LinkedIn jobs or whatever. Like go yeah. create your job. If you're like, oh, wow, I've been writing grant proposals for the last three years in my job. Go find a nonprofit you like and just say, hey, I will contract with you and I will apply mm -hmm. for all the grants and and work with them to make yeah. that happen. So again, you yeah, you got to get creative idea. and you got to know the skills. Like Joe said, you got to know what you bring to the table. But mm -hmm. um, from there, um, then it's up to you to go and and pitch yourself, be be the creator of your own destiny. That sounded very yeah. cheesy, but um, <laughs> I, there was another question I wanted to get to. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so Brooke asked, hello, Brooke, what a lovely name you have. Um, if you, uh, if you crack into the field without a master's, when should you circle back to the master's? Do you have to, is the opportunity cost worth it? This is an excellent question, Brooke. I love this because I will tell you right now that Miss Sam Cooper and our friends, mm -hmm. Samantha LaCroix, we call her Bazer, but also, um, <laughs> formerly of USA, we all come from the same <laughs> place, but um, they both, as an example, they both worked in the field for many years, had great careers, and then circled back mm -hmm. to the masters um, yep. and then went, went forward from there. So Sam, I'm gonna let you field this one. Yeah, um, it's a great question. And I think you're gonna get a lot of different opinions on this subject, and that is not a bad thing. Um, mm -hmm. I am myself in torn. Um, and I'm just going to be really upfront with that. I went back, I had a 12 year break between my bachelor's and my master's and I'd been working in the fields really that whole time as well. Um, and in the end, I decided to get a master's, um, because I was interested in intellectually going back to school and learning something different. And I chose a master's in public administration and I loved it. I had a lot of people, it, um, tell me that's great. It's, it's going to open up career opportunities for you. I'm going to be honest. It has not. I, I think the jobs I've gotten since my master's, I probably would have gotten anyway, if I'm being honest. I also had people say that, that doesn't mean it's still not going to help. I'm still glad I have it. Um, it. It taught me a lot again about being a student and doing the critical thinking and putting the work in behind the scholarship behind improving yourself, which I think is really important. Again, a transferable skill. Um, I had a lot of people that said, I can't believe you're getting a master's. It's, it, you don't need it. Um, you'll get hired. You, you, this isn't something that you need. Um, and that feel very adamant about it and probably would to this day. I won't name them. But um, and I often think about that person and think, wow, I have a, I have student debt. I will never pay it off. That's OK. Uh, <laughs> um, and so um, that that is my and, and and that's my one very particular thing. I wish I had had it fun been doing it while I was working at a university, that would probably have been the smarter way to do it. 
And I wish our field was more upfront about that, that if they want you to have a master's, then that's something that they will help you do um, mm-hmm. in an entry level role to, to mm-hmm. or whatever to help you do that. Um, yeah. And I think some people are, and actually I think there are some people that are, that are quite open and, and supportive of that. Mm-hmm. So th- that's why you can probably see I've answered it and not answered it. I think it really depends for me. Um, if you're going to do it, you should really want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of money and investment in time, and you should want to be a scholar. You should want to learn and expand your brain and and Preach. struggle through writing and have that process of research, which is horrific and wonderful and and produce and learn and grow. Um, but you should want to do it for that. I think, I don't know mm-hmm. what you guys think. I know yeah. I'm, I'm is- preaching. You just like said everything I would, I would say I, the, the thing I always tell people, I said, the moment you're like, should I get a master's degree? I said, go to your local library, go check out nine books, big books on that subject matter and look at them and go, do I want to sit down and read all of these books? And because you're going to read more than that. Yeah. And it's like, so I always tell you, like, go get nine books on international education or go get nine books on mm-hmm. higher education or, you know, uh, public administration or, you know, business. Even if you want to get an yeah. MBA, whatever the subject matter is, like, go see what you're going to be putting your mind on for the next two years ish and and decide if is that really something you want mm-hmm. to 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 invest that time in obviously money. I mean, I I don't want to belabor that point too much, but, um, I, yeah, I always tell people like, you've got to love it. I think you've got to love it. Otherwise it's going to be very obvious that you phoned it in, um, that you, you were like, I'm just ticking off a box. And, and I feel like when people are just trying to tick off a box, like, even if you think the master's degree is your golden ticket to the best career in international ed, I I will tell you with over 500 people who've gone through GPI, I've had a lot of people with master's degrees and with PhDs who still, they, they still struggled to land that next role or Mm -hmm. pivot to that next role. And it wasn't because, you know, they, they had anything, there was anything wrong with them. Um, and, and their, their master's degree or their further education did not like guarantee them like an interview even, um, again, it all comes back to, you have to have the right knowledge, skills, and experience that's appropriate for the job you want. And you have to know how to position that in a way that's valuable to the reader, the person who's like, Oh, interview pile, boom, they are a dream come true. I absolutely have to talk to them. And most people don't think about that. So I would say, I agree with Sam. If you're already in the field, um, if you're like, there's a specific type of role that you're like dead set, you know, you want to be in and you've been trying to get it and you're hitting a bunch of walls. I would say even then I would still be, I would, I would give myself a time frame of like flex my network. I'd be doing all the extra stuff where it's like, if you mm. need to, in your current role, get more experience managing people or what, I don't know, depending on what you need. Like I would figure out, okay, how can I um, stack my, start stacking my resume with the right skills um, and experiences and, and really working my network and telling everyone who I know loves and cares and wants me to be successful, tell them this is the job I want, the type of role I want help, you know, any, any advice, any help, any leads you can give me. Um, and then after you've done that for five years, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, but like, even then I would be like, Oh, honey, call me. Like we'll figure it out because I just don't think the masters is, is, 
is the golden ticket unless you really love it and you really want to study that. Then go for it. I say go for it. But I'm also a huge advocate of like get grad school paid for. I have a lot of student mm-hmm. debt. I will tell you, it's mm-hmm. all from undergrad um, because I was one of those people that ended up getting into the kind right. of program where you do a grad assistantship, yeah. it's paid for, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. um, I always tell people like don't pay for grad school, but that that's just me. Um, we are over time. Uh, any final thoughts from from my, my esteemed panel here? Uh, <laughs> no. um, uh, I, I agree with everything you all said about the gra- about the graduate school. I, I guess the one question I would have, and I, but is did it help? Does it do you get, did you get paid more at least because you had a master's degree or not? Uh, is what mm-hmm. I would ask Sam if it helps in the, in the money category. But um, no. <laughs> no, it, it didn't. In fact, I had a master's degree when I applied to work with Sam, and I will tell you, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I think thanks so much. Thank you, Brooke, for for allowing me to mm-hmm. share share my knowledge with with you and your your audience. I, I enjoyed this tremendously. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for t- taking the time out of your schedule. Thank you for saying so many nice things about GPI. I did not tell you to do that. So I no. really appreciate <laughs> you doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and Sam, thank you for being here Thanks, as guys. always, yeah. um, staying up late for us in London. Um, Kelsey, I'm sorry we had uh, internet issues, but you were wonderful. Thank you for being here. And Sabrina, I'm sorry we couldn't get you on the call either. But um, you guys, I'm going to be putting these on the podcast feed as well. So if you haven't had a chance, um, um, go, I don't know where to send you, but anyway, there is a podcast. Go to your okay. favorite podcast player, search for <laughs> Inside City Abroad. We're there. Subscribe, leave a review. If you enjoy the podcast, please um, leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast get found by more people. And also, if anybody is interested in maybe joining GPI, if you're thinking, oh, I'm interested in this, go, there's a link down below. It says join the Global Pro Institute waitlist. Just put your email in there and we'll be opening the doors for um our returned program, but our next cohort was summer 2020. Uh, We're going to be opening the doors next week just to that wait list group. Um, And we'll also have a discount for those people as well. So if you are curious, want to learn more about it, head to insidecityabroad.com slash GPI and learn all about it. Thank you all for being here. You're wonderful. And we will see you all hopefully next week. I'll be emailing you about it. I'm sure. (laughs) All right. Thanks guys. Thank you.